don't be frightened. I know we read three passages of Scripture. Just be thankful we didn't read all the verses of the story of Pentecost, right? Pentecost is a special Sunday. It's odd in a way because of its special place in our history and in our faith that only Luke in the story of Acts tells us this specific story of Pentecost. The coming of the Spirit and the promise of the Spirit is spoken of in other places. But Pentecost is only spoken of from the lips of Luke as he penned these words in the book of Acts. That is an amazing thing to contemplate. For the Pentecost is so interwoven with the reality of Easter and Christmas that you can't really think of one without the other. Although we didn't realize it in the frame of history of which would come first or which was most important. It was only after the coming of the Spirit that those first disciples really appreciated the fullness of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. It was the ministry of the Spirit that made that possible. It was only in that context of Easter that we realized Christmas was so important. Because it is in Christmas in a celebration of it that we celebrate the true essence of Jesus the Christ, the God-man who lived among us, who came from heaven to be with us and to live and die for us in order that we might be in communion with the Father who created us all. Pentecost is that power that propels the gospel. Pentecost is that power that dwells within us as the presence of God that explains to us the scriptures and teaches us what they mean. Pentecost and the presence of the Spirit is there for us that when our hearts are about to break from grief and pain in the world and we struggle, it is the Spirit who identifies with our groans that we can't even articulate when our hurt is so deep. It is in that spirit that I ask you to join with me for a moment and remember the families at Santa Fe High School in Houston, just outside of Houston, Texas. Father, our hearts break at the violence in our world, perpetrated against some of our most vulnerable, our students, our youth, in a place that is supposed to be a safe place, a place of learning and education, fellowship. A place that has once again been turned into a place of violence and carnage. For those 10 who lost their lives, teachers, students, for the others who were wounded and are trying to live through the horror of what they experienced today. For all of them, Lord, we don't really know what to say. We don't really know what to say to our students that are feeling unsafe as they go to school on a regular basis. But we know your spirit can express to you our hurt and our agony and that which we cannot utter in intelligible words, your spirit whispers into the Savior's ear who makes intercession for us with the Father whose love then is poured out in the circle that is God back into the lives of those who are hurting. God, 
bless and heal the wounded and the lost. Bring them through the shadow of death and return them to a life of victory and joy and innocence. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. It's hard to believe that there was a synagogue, but there was no church until the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to believe that those first disciples that were left, that were such followers of Jesus, knew they were waiting for the Spirit, and yet they didn't really know what for or how the Spirit would use them when he would come. But Jesus said, wait for him, and he shall bring you power. And so they waited. It's hard to remember sometimes in the story of Pentecost that Jesus told them that he's going away and that he would not be coming back, but that he was sending one, even the Spirit of truth, as we heard about in the Gospel of John, that would come to them and would be a reality that the story centers around in the, in the book of Acts. It's hard to believe that this spirit of truth was going to happen in exactly the shape it would take. It's hard to believe that Pentecost is in some ways just as essential as is Easter. And I could argue easily more essential than Christmas. Think about it. It is Pentecost that ensures God's presence with us and the spirit of Jesus with us forever in an unbroken chain as the spirit represents Jesus and speaks to us as Jesus. But his presence and his personality is of the Trinity of God. You say, well, that just can't be. I know. That's what makes it really, really cool, isn't it? Doesn't it make you feel sorry? For those poor people out there who says it's not possible that a miracle like that just can't be reality. How can you believe that? And I just smile and I say, how can you not? Is not God testified in your heart you claim to be a Christian? Do you not know the presence of the Spirit in your your heart and in your mind? Have you never experienced the power of God's Spirit? Do you not believe the Stories in the Gospels, in the book of Acts. What do you think sustained those early disciples? Just their memory of Jesus that they had as human beings in their head? No. It's the spirit of Jesus that came back to them to assure them and teach them and call to their remembrance all these things he had been telling them. It's that Holy Spirit that makes Jesus alive and vital some 1950 years later. That is an incredible thought. Just to think, like that 1980 years, give or take a few, that Jesus is with us. These first disciples, they experienced it, and this Sunday is usually all about those flames of tongues of fire, the great wind that blew through the place. The people speaking in their own languages and people of the other languages hearing it in their own. What an amazing experience. And we all wish for Pentecost to come again and again, right? We wish that every church could experience Pentecost. Because with that and the birth of the church, what we know is the gospel exploded. It exploded in that first gathering of 120. It exploded into 3,000 very quickly. And it exploded as they walked about. And people were being added to the church daily. The power of the gospel and the ministry of the church had begun. It was like, boom, bang, boom, and it was just everywhere. 
that those first disciples were going. You couldn't contain them if you tried. There were those who tried. They were threatened. They were thrown in prison. They were told it couldn't be real. They were told they couldn't do it. And what happened? They did it. They did it. And they did it anyway. And they were protected by God for the ministry he had called them to. It's a miracle. And even though we don't get quite that Pentecostal experience in that same way ever again, and probably will not until Jesus returns, we have many experiences of that explosive power of the Spirit in our life on a personal level. These texts, the reasons I chose just to remind you of the story you know so well today and to bring in the passage from John and also from, from Romans is to remind us that that same explosive person is now with us. But I'm going to get to that. Here the Holy Spirit arrives and the ministry of the church is kicked off. Here the Holy Spirit comes for the benefit of the community to gift the individual members who are the followers of Christ so that they can be a gift and a blessing to each other and so the ministries of the church can be sustained. These gifts of the Spirit go along with the fruit of the Spirit that is a sign and a seal, if you will, of the powerful presence of the Spirit's work in our lives. Whenever that Spirit works in our lives and our character is changed, we know it. Whenever we are more loving and full of grace than we were before, we know it. Whenever we're more patient and kind, we know it. Love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control are not human ideas, but rather God's gifts to us through the Spirit. And they're meant for every Christian who follows Him. The gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of apostles and teachers, the gifts of evangelists and those who serve, the gifts of, for those who believe in healings and the ministry of tongues and spiritual languages, all of those things are gifts of the Spirit meant not for the individual, but for the edification of the church and believers. They are meant for building up the body of Christ. And that is what we typically celebrate in the ministry of Pentecost. But you know, it's more than that today. I'm here today to say it's more than that. I'm here to say that that's a huge thing, yes. But it's not just about the community of faith. It's also about the gift of God himself through the Spirit, representing Jesus to the individual. We don't want to miss that part. The text there in John speaks about it as a spirit of truth, the paraclete. The paraclete who is the personal, special presence of God who fills that role in our lives to let us keep it in constant contact. You think constant contact is big? What about a God who's so big? He's in constant contact with everybody all at once, and he never has to dial a number, never has to type in a code, never has to worry about if reception is good. It's always good. What a victory it is to know that in Christ. Jesus said in John 15 and 26 that this spirit of truth would be coming to them. Aletheia is a word, translation for truth, and it's a powerful word. And it has special meaning for us as we think about it in our own lives. Yes, this day is about the spreading of the gospel. And yes, it's about the community that is formed and sustained by that presence of the Holy Spirit. But it's also about the way that God intends to deal with us personally. It's about the way that God intends to mark on our souls that his presence is real. It's that plan of God that will still be in place these almost 2,000 years later. It is that 
fulfillment of promise that Jesus said he would do. It is that time when Jesus said, you're wondering if I'm real? Pay attention. Listen, I'm inside you. How could I not be real? I'm inside you. The coming of the spirit of truth is all about that. You see, this word carries with it this idea that God is going to penetrate our very being. It's not just like God the Father in heaven sends his words to us. It's not just the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, died for our sins. But it's the very fact that the Holy Spirit inhabits our being. He comes within us to live within us. To witness to us constantly, consistently, lovingly, and gracefully. To offer us two pieces of candy when we really need it. To understand that there's a difference between the law of God and the law of man. I just wanted you to know that I didn't understand that. I didn't ask her to go and steal the candy from the next door neighbor. That would have been breaking a commandment. Eating two pieces of candy? That's just Sassy's and Sarah's commandment. There's a difference, right? And the spirit of truth, Sassy's saying, not so much. We'll work that out when Micah's not there next week. The reality is that it's that spirit of truth who warns us. Just as sweet little Micah did, if only I wore a head camera. If only I could know what a conversation we'd have when I asked her if she wanted a piece of camera. If I could have just clicked mentally that camera on so I could show it to everybody when she looked up at me with those big brown eyes and just said, I've already had a lot of sugar today. I said, well, do you want a piece now or not? It's up to you. Yes, I, but only one. Only one. She heard. If only we were that sensitive to what we hear from God. Now, I know some of you are thinking, if only we wouldn't listen to the tempter like you made her, you became for her. But let's worry about, that's another sermon. Stick to the good side of it. The presence of Jesus penetrates us for a lasting witness to our soul. However, even though the Spirit penetrates us, we must adopt a way of life that allows the Spirit's entrance. It is always up to us. It is always a continual process where we have to wrestle. Do I listen to the voice of God in my head or not? It's always up to us when we read the scriptures. Do we lay them out and say, this is the word of God and I'm ready, Lord, speak to me. Whatever you say, I will do. Or do we read the scriptures like we read the newspaper, hoping to get a few facts to help me through the rest of the day? You see the difference? One is an openness and a receptivity to the spirit that allows the spirit's fullness to come into your life. And like any other door, if you close it often enough, you know, people will just quit knocking on it. The spirit won't quit knocking, but it'll be harder for you to hear him if you keep saying no to him. The Spirit keeps hollering you pretty soon. John Wesley said, you would fall away if you just keep saying no to the Spirit. If you keep refusing the commandment of God. So this idea of adopting a way that allows the interest for truth is really up to you. 
We believe that as the Spirit is a teacher of truth, so that when we go and read the Scriptures with all of our education and understanding, that's only part of the battle. Have you ever heard of a sermon or heard a lesson taught that was very accurate according to the word of the Scripture, but nothing happened in your heart? Was it, could it be possible that the one who was presenting the lesson or the sermon had been open to the education of the Scripture, not open to the Spirit and the message that the Spirit had to deliver? Could it be possible that you were open to the education and not yet to the transforming power of the Word that the Holy Spirit was trying to inspire in your life? It's one thing to know the words. It's another thing to receive the Spirit. Jesus never forced himself on a soul. The Holy Spirit will not force himself upon you either. It is up to us to have that kind of a receptive heart. And you say, well, what does that look like? Okay, good. I'm glad you asked that. You got your pen? It looks like this. A receptive heart looks like a heart that's open. And when I say open, I mean ask me what you want and I'll do it. It's like when your grandchildren come to you and say, will you do something when I ask you? What they're saying is, are you really open to make me happy or not? Well, it's the same thing with the Spirit. Are you open when you read the Scripture, when the Scripture is going to direct you in a different way, call you to something you don't want to do, make you think about your life in a way you don't want to bother with? Are you open to that or not? That's openness. You're open to whatever they say. It's with fear and dread that I say yes to my grandchildren at this point in my life. They have so much more energy, I'm afraid I won't be able to keep up. It is about spirit engagement. You have to be willing not only to be open, but you have to be in connection with the Spirit. You have to engage the presence of God in your daily life. You have to put God in your shoes before you make those decisions. By the business, by the church, by your individual life, by your relationships. You have to say, is this right or is this wrong? You have to be in contact with the Spirit or the Spirit can't speak to you. Thirdly, it is about an attitude of receptivity. You don't come to the scriptures with arrogance. You come to the scriptures with humility. You don't come to the scriptures as if I already know what they say, Lord. You come with the attitude of teach me. I want to know. If it hurts me, Lord, I want to be hurt. If it directs me in a path that's uncomfortable, I want to walk in an uncomfortable way until it feels comfortable. When you have that kind of openness with receptivity, with a humble spirit, then you're ready to have a sense of awe. Oh, I wish I could, I wish that could be come back to people the way it has in days past. We're so smart sometimes now, we just miss it. And you know, it's like we read the scripture and we go, yeah, I see it makes three points and I've got that. I'm ready to go into Romans 7 now. I've got six down. And we miss some of the most awe-inspiring messages in Romans 6 that there are because we haven't been open to be awed by the presence of God. You know, it's like going to a movie we hope to be awed. We hope to be blown away. But when you go to the scriptures and you open your heart to the Spirit, do you hope to be in awe of the presence of God? Are you overwhelmed with a sense of love? Are you called into the openness of being willing to be transformed? A sense of awe allows us entrance into the presence of Christ like nothing else. 
Now, this last passage that comes from the Romans speaks about another assurance of the coming of the Spirit. Paul, these 50 or so years later, is writing to this church, to the church, this letter to the church at Rome. And he's talking about this spirit who's alive in believers in that day and that spirit who's alive in us today. And he's saying, even though we live in a fallen creation, and who would doubt that, right? Even though our hearts are groaning at the hurt in the world, even though things happen that cause our hearts to break, even though we yearn for a creation that has fallen to be renewed, even though we look at the fallen creation, we still await in hope for its fulfillment, for the fulfillment of God's plan. We want there to be no pollution. We want there to be no overpopulation. We want there to be no children who are dying for lack of food and shelter. We want there to be clean water for everybody to drink. We want there to be enough medicine to go around the world. We want the violence to end between nations and individuals and with sick people. We want to live in a world and we yearn for a world. Our spirit's grown for an experience of life that is free from all these things in creation that attack us. And not just that, our spirit's grown to groan and yearn to be the person God created us to be. And most of us are not yet there, right? We yearn to be all we can be. We learn for experience of sanctification that makes most of our minutes and most of our hours and most of our actions, not occasionally, but most of the time, all for God. We yearn that kind of yieldedness to be our reality, but we don't see it yet. You know, just as Paul was writing the church at Rome, they yearned for Jesus to return, and Paul too, they thought he would already be back. They were saying, what are you doing? We're here, and it's a mess. Come on back. They thought he was coming soon. And even though they were waiting expectantly, they were beginning to feel some disappointment. And Paul says, uh-uh. We don't wait like that. We wait as people of hope. Even in the face of a witness that is not what we want, we hope that someday there will be no shootings in school. We hope that someday every nation will take pollution seriously. We hope including ours. We hope someday that the food that we have will be shared so that no one is starving. We hope that someday there will be peace among all nations. We hope that someday our planet will be safe from us. And the future of our grandchildren and great-grandchildren will be secured. But we don't see it yet, do we? And then we go and we look at our spiritual mirror and we look at the person we are and we hope that we could be something better. We wished we could be something better. But we don't give up hoping for it just because this fullness has not yet arrived, do we? No, because through the power of the Spirit, we know that God understands us. For the Spirit bears witness not only with our spirit that we are children of God, but the Spirit speaks to he Father in heaven and tells them about our agony. God sends back a message to us to keep holding on. Even when we don't understand ourselves, even when we don't have all the answers in our world, even when we don't have all the answers in our churches, we hold on. Even though I can't tell you where the Methodist church is going to end up in its future, I keep holding on. 
Even though I don't understand what the church itself is doing in our country with so many are not believers and we have so much potential and ways and avenues of ways to reach out, I can't tell you when people are going to be more open and I can't tell you when churches are going to be more open to spend a lot of their time in their daily lives finding a way to share the witness to the people who don't believe. Because most of the people that are around family and friends they're already Christian. We have to learn to be open, don't we, to the people who aren't Christian. We have to be willing to give the witness of the Spirit that resides in us and to give a reason for that which why we believe so that others can believe as well. And so today I close with a message about Pentecost that lifts up not only the idea that the church was formed and sustained by the Spirit, but it also lifts up that the Holy Spirit comes to us as individuals to reside inside us with a constant witness of Christ being present in our lives, to yearn for us when we're broken, to hold us when back whenever we're about to go off in the wrong direction, to guide us when we're seeking direction, to affirm us when we do well, and to bring us back onto the path when we stray from it. I affirm this presence of the Spirit, and I hope and believe with all that I know in the full redemption of God, I will become all that God intends for me to become. Now, I know that it probably won't be complete until the coming of Jesus. I know that, or my own personal death. I'm aware of that. But I yearn to be all that I can be now, in this time, in this place, with my family, with my friends, with my church, with a larger church, with the unsaved in my neighborhood, I yearn to be all that God intends for me to be, not just who I am today. I'm not satisfied with who I am today. I know some of you are thinking, well, dude, you're getting pretty old. You better get more serious. You're wearing out the God's time clock, and that may be so, but I'm still yearning, and God's still improving in this model. As long as I'm improving, I know that I'm on the right path. I wish that for everyone I meet. And I look for those opportunities in normal conversations to engage people so that they too can know the power of the words that I know that make all the difference in the world. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And he has not. I love the power of the word nevertheless. Though the world be going in all directions, nevertheless, I have hope, and I believe that God will redeem this world. And as Lauren preached some weeks ago, this creation will be restored. Heaven will be on earth. It will be on a newly created earth, a new beginning. I better get down these stairs. I think my pill's wearing off. Let's see. Okay, there I am. I'm down. Not face down, but down here with y'all. Just to say this, celebrate Pentecost like you celebrate Christmas, please. Celebrate Pentecost like you celebrate Easter, please. Make the coming of the Spirit and the reality of the Spirit so real in your life that people will see you and they'll want to know what happened to you. That's what happened in the explosion of the gospel. Those folks left that place and they went out and they told their neighbors, they told their shopkeepers and they followed them, what's happened to you? Where are you going? What are you doing? 
Who is this guy you're following? Didn't you know he died? What? He rose again? Yeah. And he's with me now. Tell him. Please. Please tell them. They're dying to know the answer from a person they can believe. And for some people, you just may be the very person they can hear it from. If the Spirit is alive and well, share him. Holy Father, we thank you that you shared yourself with us as a son and as a spirit. And you're with us still today. We pray for the power of Pentecost to be real in our own lives and in real in our lives daily as we live them so that we might give a fresh witness to the power of Christ and love and grace and humility to mingle our lives with those who have been less fortunate, with those who have not understood the story, with those who have never met the Savior in order that your kingdom might come upon this earth even as it is in heaven. May it be so for us. If there's anyone here, Lord, who has not yet tasted of that sweet presence of Jesus, not yet surrendered to the work of the Spirit in their life, this is the day, Lord, for them to respond to you. May it be so in their lives as we stand and continue just to praise your name as we join our voices in worship of you. In the name of the Christ and the Spirit, both proceeding from the Father, we give you thanks. Amen.